0: And welcome to another episode of the 905er podcast and the 905 Roundup. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And this week we've got a couple of stories, a couple of uh, some developments um, in Hamilton in particular. Well, two issues that are, that are front and center with the city right this week in, in one case and in another case with the upcoming election next year. Joel, why don't you take it away with the with the first of those stories?
1: Well, I guess I guess we're talking about bad behavior by elected officials. A, a big news came down as the integrity commissioner came down kind of hard on on Councillor Terry Whitehead today, basically saying that back September eleventh, twenty twenty, during a public works committee meeting, reprimanding uh, Councillor Whitehead's behavior when he went after a uh, a city staff member, basically questioning his integ- the staff members integrity his incompetence and berating him and, and and what have you it was just atrocious behavior that that was uh that was seen and the integrity customer came out basically coming down with the recommendation that he be docked 30 days pay uh and be pro- prohibited from talking with other city staff members in a in a direct manner it, it it's pretty astounding recommendation I, I, we don't know yet if the city council will go ahead with it but it, it there's more there's a lot of in the committee or, uh paper that just it's kind of it's kind of shocking that in the the document they are saying that the the conduct and the behavior is such unbecoming uh are not acceptable behaviors from a member of municipal council such as peppering staff member A with interrogation-style questions, not listening, interrupting, and refusing to accept the responses, uh, then suggesting that they are untruthful, lying, incompetent, or lack integrity." That's, that's a pretty damning statement from the integrity commissioner to, to be filed against the, the sitting counselor. Uh, quite, quite shocking to, to have this come down in, on an elected official.
0: Yeah. And, well, I mean, again, the the commissioner didn't pull any punches. I mean, he, he, uh, I say he, uh, the commissioner says, uh, this is egregious conduct as it serves the dual purposes of undermining and puning a staff member. Anybody who's watched even a limited amount of Hamilton Council meetings while while Councillor Whitehead is in attendance uh, will know that his behavior is often... Inquisitorial is the most generous way of putting it. This kind of cross-examination approach, but it's not cross-examination like a lawyer would do it. We're actually required to sort of abide by certain rules, and you can you can only make so many. You can't make you know unfair inferences. It, it, it's kind of a, um, you know this this was an an hour an hour long uh, cross-examination or longer. Um, not under kind of court rules where there are where the defendant if you like certainly wasn't a defendant in this case has someone who can who can step in and say okay that's not a fair question you can't ask that so it's it's bullying really i mean it, that, and that seems to be very much the the implication which comes out of this report i should say that you know, we were just trying to find the full report on the hamilton website and people have been tweeting out or sharing the link to the report in the last day or so It's now seems to have disappeared completely from the Hamilton website. This is standard operating practice. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to find the report in the first place, unless you know which council meeting to go to to go through the minutes to find the link to find the document that there. And then when the, for one reason or another, that that report now isn't available. So you know, as of this exact second, we're depending on 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 secondhand accounts of the report um, by the press.
1: What's interesting is part of the, in the, in the uh, integrity commissioner's report, they were saying that when they interviewed other counselors and, and and witnesses, they quote, said, those we interviewed described those episodes of hostile harassing behavior as quote, Terry being Terry. And it goes on to say, when there is silence around the table, this likely speaks volumes to counselor Whitehead more than merely enabling this bad behavior, it condones and encourages it. Um,
0: yeah, and, this, and there are there are, there are yeah. councillors who who don't put up with um, councillor Whitehead, and there are counselors that do, well, would, um, and, and it, I, it's, it divides I, down that traditional line that that, that divides that council between
1: the kind well, of my, older councillors and newer ones. My argument that, and I, I'm going to maybe put words in the integrity commissioner's mouth here, is that yeah, like it, we can't find these documents to hold your elected officials to account you know like it, it's like the culture is there of, well let's not let's 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 not rock the boat like you know let's let's all we don't we don't want to rock the boat make waves or whatever have you and that allows again it's that canadian politeness I'll, uh, you know I'll, i'm not going to say that the council itself it condones it uh necessarily it gives the appearance of it for sure but i won't say it actually condones it but when you don't actually say, "Hey, I'm going to stand up and reprimand you," uh, because oh, I don't want—I don't want to be—I don't want to cause cause a fight. I don't want to cause disruption. and It'll make my my life a little bit harder. It undermines the integrity of the of the office. Uh, uh, I, I think it's one of these problems when you know when you're told you have to police yourselves. There's not really an outside. Or, or we have to wait every four years to make the change that, that's needed to see to hold these people to account. Uh, and, and, I, yeah, go ahead.
0: and I mean, I, I saw this in, in Burlington before the last election. Uh, maybe not quite as egregious as um, – well, certainly not with regard to staff. Uh, with regard to members of the public, I've seen similar behavior both in Hamilton and Burlington um, from other councillors. And I'm talking about uh, prior to 2018 in Burlington's case – and it's certain counselors think that that's okay to bully and insult and cross-examine people who you know and when we're talking about members of the public in particular i mean staff don't have to uh, staff shouldn't be bullied any more than any other staff member by any other employer now counselors do don't aren't technically the employer in, in this relationship between counselors and staff however they're clearly superior in a, in a position of authority. So the commissioner has said that, you know, there's repeated statements that, that Whitehead had, you know, threatened people with being fired. Uh, we know that he on Twitter um, several months ago threatened, uh, threatened people who had no, I'm trying to remember the details of, of the debate. But there was a tweet which was clearly threatening using the integrity, ironically, the I, integrity commissioner to kind of go right, after right, right, people right. Who, who disagreed with council. Yeah, almost the more shocking thing is, you know, uh, uh, people can get elected who, who – are bad and behave badly. What's kind of most shocking is that the rest of council hasn't jumped on this like a ton of bricks and said, no, this is this kind of behavior is not acceptable in any well, kind of workplace. And a council well, chamber is ultimately out.
1: a workplace. Well that's what it comes down to is that these the, the nature of city council any city council, the idea is you police yourselves. And the problem is that it turns into like a Lord of the Lord of the flies situation where you get councillors who aren't aren't there to do the job now like when you think about it, if you if you have a city staff coming before a committee to answer questions about you know public works or or i think in this question was the uh aberdeen road diet if i and i i apologize if i got that wrong but it, it, it's, it's something kind of mundane it wasn't it wasn't a great big you know a, hu- a huge city project something quite mundane that they wanted to, the idea is you come down and you ask questions the idea is you ask city staff. I have questions about, you know, the, the, how are we spending the money? Is this the best use? So, you know, what what were the results? Could you know what what recommendations can we take away from this? That kind of generic questions that you you want to clarify. You want I need I, you know I need more information before I can make a decision on this. Is the idea behind this clearly what? Councilor Whitehead wanted was some kind of. You know, I call it like the West Wingism. Like you, you you want that gotcha moment, right? Like, ha, I cornered you into this quagmire of I looped out in your own logic and and look how smart I am. And it, you're right, it comes it comes across as bullying, plain and simple. I, I was we we're talking before we hit record. This mirrors another situation in the 905, that of the Halton Catholic District School Board. We actually had a very similar situation where they had a third-party auditor come in, look at their operations, and that auditor reprimanded the the board trustees by basically saying, "Yeah, you're bullying staff. You're questioning their integrity, their competence, and their uh, their their capabilities of doing their jobs for no reason, with no foundation. You're basically bullying them." And it's something to be said about this. You know, these these kind of these small-time counselors, small-time politicians who have their own little fiefdoms, right? It's like their own tiny little pocket of power and they think they're sitting on Mount Everest. Uh, It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's just sad and pathetic when when it comes down to it. And what's sad is that, you know, when the rest of the the rest of that body doesn't stand, stand up and say, no, 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 we're, we're going to hold you to account properly. And right there in the, in the time, you know, it, it undermines the integrity of the entire body politic uh, altogether.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, the, and the thing that brought me into municipal politics originally, the thing that got me interested and in, and in kind of following what actually happened, um, was, was this issue of of kind of councils interact with the public. And, and the longer I've looked at it, um, the more I've come to the conclusion that that. You know, it's not just the odd bad apple ruining the whole the whole barrel. The whole barrel is rotten. Um, the apples don't really matter because the water's pouring out of the holes. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I can, if I can torture that metaphor to absolute destruction, the municipal government is broken. Um, the wrong people are getting elected. People who are completely unqualified, incapable of, of doing the job properly, who are holding back you know, even moderate reform. Now, that's one thing. Okay, we have the electoral system we have, but the way everything works seems to come together to create these diabolical situations where councils are making bad decisions or not making decisions, or just, in Hamilton's case, repeatedly uh, uh, acting like a bunch of amateurs. And, uh, you know, yeah, let's hope a better election brings in better better councillors. I don't think that's ultimately the fix because, you know, we saw that in Burlington. We have different councillors, and I think most of them are better councillors than we had before. However, there are still huge problems in Burlington which are just inherent to the system of how municipalities work, um, and it's not really well, the councillors' fault
1: always. Maybe, maybe um, it's not, but I mean, that, that's the thing, is that, you know, if you don't have... If the majority of councillors are... As a, and I'll go back to my school board trustee... Uh, uh, analogy is, or a comparison as well, I should say that, you know, the majority aren't willing to stand up and say, no, you're crossed, you've crossed a line. Right. And it may, maybe it's about giving the chair, the chairs more power. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an expert on, on municipal law and, uh, and powers that be, That, but there's, you know, it's, it's, that's the makeup, you know. Maybe, we, maybe do. Maybe we're stuck in a situation where we we have to wait every four years to uh, to vote the bums out, so to speak. But you know, th- those four years, it's just it's so tired, tiresome, and tedious to always have to go back into this quagmire. Because here's the thing, you know, you know, it's going to happen again. This this report, these reports aren't the the wake up call. Like, oh, geez, I see the error of my ways. I, mm-hmm. I, my uh-huh. my apologies. It's just it's almost like you were adding gasoline to the fire.
0: Well, I mean, according to Joey Coleman, who's tweeting pretty much as we're recording about the council meeting today, which we'll address probably next week, Councillor Whitehead's doing exactly the same thing today. I mean he's he's not necessarily bullying a staff member, but he is he is behaving out with the established norms of the council meetings. He is not following the procedure correctly. Chair of the meeting is just talking over him in an attempt to shut him up uh, rather than let him derail the the meeting. So, you know, nothing's changed. This is what goes on every meeting where Councillor Whitehead is present. He hasn't been present for several uh, months because of uh, illness. He's just returned. Um, and He's not alone, let's remember. I mean, we were talking about Councillor Marula the other uh, few months ago and the incident with the gym. Uh, and, and there are several counsellors who have not covered themselves with glory. Let's put it that way. Uh, during this term, uh, in terms of their their general behaviour, it's and, and and I think it is. I mean, like to extent, being a counsellor is a job that only morons want because it's a job about posturing. It's all. It's all. It's all um, responsibility with no power. If you like, it's like the reverse of that uh, of the kind of cliche. Because you can talk and you can posture and you can say stuff, but your actual power is very, very limited. I'm becoming more all, limited all the a, time. It's with all
1: performative. It's all performative. You you get a you get a microphone. You're able to make your big grand gestures. I'm going to make my big speech, and I can act the the aggrieved party. You know, oh, they're they're trying to shut me up. I'm trying to tell it like it is. I'm 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 trying to you know the 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 levers of power accountable to the taxpayer and all all that bullshit because you don't have any power to actually do it. You don't. We've we've talked about this before. Yeah, we've, we've talked about. A, it, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, our, our weak would, mayor system is is, is a it's yeah. not just a weak mayor system. It's a weak council system, which uh, encourages posturing is to kind of run for the job <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and that's and yeah.
0: And yeah and and i think it also encourages you know and, and people could fairly suggest that i'm you know this is sour grapes coming from me and maybe it is but you know I, I do think there are good candidates who maybe run once see what the job's actually like and think oh damn that i'm glad i didn't get that job and then go and do something mm-hmm. else Because it's like, you know, life's not worth this kind of nonsense um, for a job that basically has incredibly restricted genuine influence. And what I'm saying, what we're ultimately saying here is uh, councils with more genuine influence would attract better candidates, would produce better results, Um, that we basically have a system that doesn't trust the democratically elected leaders to democratically lead, um, and, and that's a problem. Um, you know, is it going to change anytime soon? I think so, but it should be. I mean, the, the whole issue of municipal government should be front and center in everything we do because it affects us day to day so much more than anything else does. Well, it looks like we're about halfway through. So why don't we take a quick break and then we'll, um, we'll come back and look at the second item on our docket today. Okay, uh, welcome back. And actually, just before we get um, going on part two of the podcast, uh, I just want to do a quick corrections and clarifications from um, from last week. I uh, received an email saying that we got a couple of facts wrong. I mean, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, so in terms of the Burlington, Burlington's official plan being officially adopted, it isn't officially, officially adopted yet, um, I believe, it has been adopted at the region. It hasn't been uh, entirely. It isn't finalised and in force at the moment. Um, uh, the Second issue that um, this uh, listener disputed was uh, the seventeen-story height of uh, of the recently uh, approved building on, on Lakeshore and Pearl in Burlington. Uh, that the approval has been for um, uh, twenty-nine stories. Um, and uh, this listener pointed out that the the city actually only defended to 22 stories it didn't try to defend their own official plans 17 stories. Um, I don't think that actually makes any difference to the interpretation of what we were saying which is again about the lack of power of cities to to control their own destinies and to put the people that they are obliged to house in the places that they believe are most appropriate for them. So um, happy to correct mistakes when we make them. Um, I don't think it changes anything um, significant about what we were saying.
1: Okay, so Joe, what's what's up next? Maps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, still sticking in Hamilton. The this one's I, I think a little bit more fun and and really cool. In the Spectator, there was a, a map printed in the opinion section where stop sprawl hamilton ontario uh we had on a uh, uh Nancy Hurst uh from there a few episodes back please uh go into our uh, back back episodes and take a listen it's a it's a great episode uh they have spent a lot of time putting together a map of basically uh vacant land uh in the downtown hamilton uh area and it's printed in the spectator on Thursday, November 4th, we'll put a link to this to the uh article in our in our show notes for you to take a look. But it is it's impressive, uh, to say the least. I'm looking at it right now, it's like a just the, the amount of unused or, or tenable land that can be repurposed into housing, into commercial use, uh, whatever have you. Um, well, what yeah. do you think, uh, Roland?
0: Well, I think it, yeah, it very nicely illustrates the point that that the um, stop sprawl Hamont people have been that have been uh, making, which is that in in well probably in in every city in the 905 and in Hamilton probably more than any other, there is a lot of space available for developers to build um, housing that would more than house all the people that need to be housed. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just you know, and not just you know. Th- there's something of a a, um, a a a myth about the kind of numbers that cities have to take, and or well, it's not a myth. It's, it's just people always dispute. Well, the city has to take this many, but that's only a lower minimum number. There's no upper limit on that. So, um, but Hamilton has plenty of space to more than um, meet the. Uh, requirements that it has to meet to house people um my goodness you could fit an awful lot of affordable housing in there if you wanted to um but um you know uh, the, all those downtown sites those greyfield sites those parking lots those former industrial sites um one of which i i pass you know nearly every day now that that used to be industrial and is currently just empty is more difficult for developers From their perspective, to develop than a greenfield site, which doesn't uh, basically has nothing in their way. uh, The greenfield site is the perfect place to develop because it's cheap, it's easy for them. Not mm -hmm. cheap and easy for the city.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, you look at the the website, and it is amazing. Just the amount, like it's, it's almost criminal the fact that how much of it is underdeveloped or just not developed at at all, and the city's just kind of running off like, well, we can't do anything downtown. There's absolutely nothing to do. This is, you know, it, it's very to me it's damning. I, I, if I, you know, it's kind of one of those things, waste not, want not. You've got all this land downtown. You, it's like literally, like you're looking at this map, and it's to me, it's literally you are seeing the hollowing out, the literal hollowing out of downtown Hamilton. Like there's so much space that could be repurposed or just developed into, as you said, social housing or just brand new condo towers or, or, or triplex duplex, whatever have you, a little imagination could go a long way here and go a long way to really solving the homeless issue that exists in Hamilton. Uh, not to mention, I mean, I I know, well, I was just going to say, um, this is me editorializing big time here like my you know my wife is is involved in uh, social development field and the one thing that they're always saying is that there's never enough uh social housing for uh people with mental health uh developmental needs uh that kind of that kind of thing and you know like i just look at this like this is criminal that we're going to pass up all these all these f- spots to do something to really you know Fill this ne- this gaping need, and because you uh, know it's it's I don't know it's easier to tear up some green some uh, farmland.
0: And I, I mean to be honest, I don't think it's either or. There's nothing about development in Ontario is an either or proposition. It's about both. Um, it's about yeah, we'll develop downtown. Of course you will. There's you know Hamilton is is has skyrocketing house prices. Um, there's all kinds of Fantastic business reasons to be building in downtown Hamilton right now. Um, believe me, the developers are not going to do that because they're having a huff about the, the greenfield sites. No, they want the greenfield sites too. Um, that's all this is about. And it's, it's you know, the, the, the nonsense coming from the uh, Ministry of Municipal Affairs about, well, you know, uh, unless we do this, you know, we're going to be passing up jobs and people won't be able to come here and blah, blah, blah. It's just like no, this is garbage. Your own legislation says Hamilton has to house people. Mm-hmm. There's no ifs, buts, maybes. It has the places. It has the it has the market. I mean, above all, right now to to uh, attract uh, developers. Um, uh, yeah, it's not an either or. It's a this and this, please. Um, and that's just uh, the. Beginning and end of, of of really what this provincial government has been around since the minute it got into government.
1: Well, I uh, just, just wonder. I just look at this again. I'm going back to this map and I, I look and I say, like, the, the, I see such opportunity here, such opportunity to really kind of develop Hamilton into a 21st century um, city. You know, like they're talking with the recent LRT uh, debate slash fiasco. Uh, if they finally got, you know, finally put that. Uh, the wheels on the ground for that, um, so to speak. You know, it, it helped fuel this development and feel this uh, transformation of the city into, you know, just, again, that tw- like a 21st century uh, model. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, like, think of like, the better house- better uh, housing construction. Not just housing, but you could add in public Wi-Fi. You add in um, more public space, Included with that, you, you could really do. You could, you know, you could really, really do something special something really world defining. Something that people around the world say, "Hey, what did Hamilton do?" Oh, okay. You know, we should try. We should try copy that for our city.
0: And and, and it's happening to an extent. I mean, there's a, there's um, I can think just in my little corner. There's a great uh, repurposed factory on Dundurn Street that is now apartments. Really great use of a, of an existing building um, to add, uh, pop- and and you know Dundurn Street was not the nicest street in the world uh, relatively recently, and now it's kind of getting it's, it's catching the Lock Street kind of vibe, <laughs> um, you know. So that whole neighbourhood is is being kind of uh, is being transformed. There's also like a, a newer, more modern building at the kind of uh, Lock and King kind of area. That's about four or five stories, maybe five, six stories, um, which I think works really well in in the context of, of of the uh of the other things in that neighborhood. Uh, so really good stuff. Exactly the kind of stuff, exactly the kind of stuff that I was always kind of wanting to see in Burlington, <laughs> which never seemed to come. So it is there, but it's it's not coming at huge speed yet. And if you look at the, all those little yellow dots on that map, actually you can see the route of the of the lrt is one of the areas where there are the most sites that are just empty and huge big chunks which are basically parking lots in downtown hamilton just waiting for people to do good things with and you know there are some pretty big applications in right now for high rises and mid-rises and the rest of it um uh, also down by the harbor and so these these things are coming but what isn't coming is is sufficient um, affordable housing. You know, the the ones that I just mentioned, I think they're good developments. They're not affordable though of, you know, not affordable by what most people consider to be the definition of affordable, which is less than market value
1: rather than over market value. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I I just look at this as it's a, it's amazing to tell that the, the binary, the binary arguments that is, that's being made of, well, we need, we, if we need housing, which we do, then we have to, we just have to keep building out, expanding onto the greenbelt when clearly that's not the case. There, it's, you kind of have to take like a, again, a top level approach and you see that there's so many other options here, better use of, a, of the land than not just paving paradise. Um, what I also, I just want, I think I should point out, and this is something that I, I find amazing is, you know that the developers have got a strategy core working for them. A PR firm out of Toronto. Uh, they are helping to kind of mobilize uh, an a pro development argument for the uh, the white belt, uh, so to speak. Um, I I I, I want to say this map kind of re- this map was created a by grassroots activists. This wasn't. There's no, to my knowledge, there's there's no big money put into this this is this was done by volunteers uh y- using a ma- map and pixels and just saying, hey i noticed this lot here this lot here let's double check and it was a labor of love and they put this together this is really in my opinion shot a uh you know almost sunk that ship for uh, the 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 pr campaign to pave out the the white belt because the entire argument was basically hey there's nowhere to build in Hamilton. We have to keep pushing out. This yeah, really I mean, just kind of this this to me that this just completely torpedoed that entire argument in one uh, picture. And, uh,
0: and that argument is such a pile of horseshit. <laughs> and I can't not swear about it because the self same people are arguing in another city, the exact opposite in exactly the same situation. <laughs> and they say, well, we can't go out. So we need to go up. And, and you know, there there's, there's no city in Ontario. There's probably no city in Canada, which doesn't have stacks and stacks of underutilized land in its downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually because of ground level parking, which is the cancer on our downtowns for the last 50 years or more. Um, it's waiting there to be developed. Um, And it will be developed because again, developers aren't idiots. They'll develop everywhere. It's not a matter of if it's coming in this place. It's a matter of they want more. Uh, And it's, you know, we all agree that we need more housing. Uh, The only question we ever have is what kind of housing, um, is it going to be the kind of, the stuff that will bring the most profits to developers, which obviously they want to build. And that's fair enough. We understand they're in it for the money. That's fine. Or is it going to be, um, are we going to control the market in such a way that we get the housing that we need, which is vastly more affordable housing, vastly more um, housing aimed at uh, young uh, families? Um, and uh, is it going to be placed in the locations which make most sense for a future where you know we, we've got um the, the the big conference in Scotland at the moment predicting you know catastrophic uh heat rises and, and uh, uh, climate change problems over the next 50 years you know if they're right we don't want to be sprawling and building for things that depend on cars even electric cars we need um, we need to, to use energy
1: we need to rethink the way that our cities are growing in that something the reason why we we created this podcast was the, the 905 is poised at that tipping point where we can either just keep expanding out or we can start retooling the, our cities into more livable, sustainable uh, communities than the the, than the plan for the 1950s, which was always just, okay, just keep building it out and we'll build another highway to connect you to a, a shopping mall. We got to throw that plan out the window. Uh and, and we're gonna, you know, kudos to the places like Stop Sprawl, Haymont for uh, kind of putting their foot in the sand and saying, "No, we're not. We're not budging on this. We're not gonna. We're not gonna accept it."
0: These are changes that have to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you live in North America, even if you live a fairly green and um, car restricted life, the just facts of how we have built our communities mean you are putting out more carbon dioxide into the environment than the same person in Europe. Um, it, it's just, you know, and that has to change. It's not sustainable. You um, can't, um, as I say, if everybody just replaces their gas cars with an electric car, it's an improvement, but we're still burning huge amounts of energy one way or the other. Um, and a lot of that is still going to come from fossil fuels. There's, you know, We need to have cities that are primarily walkable, um, um, and where we can get about uh, in the most efficient and cost-effective ways possible.
1: I'm if- going to say let's leave it at that for the for today. Roland, that seems to be a good note to, uh, to end the episode on. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Right. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.